You want the facts? We want to share them with you. Together, we'll boldly unpack the deeper truths inside the real estate industry's most relevant issues. This is Getting Real with Rob. Here's your host, Rob Namfeld. Hello, and welcome to Getting Real with Rob. Today, we have our special guest, Dina Diorio, the Mecklenburg County Manager. Welcome, Dina. Good morning, and thanks for having me. Thanks for coming in. Well, as has been the custom, we like to start these podcasts with our lightning round of questions, uh, where we hit you with a few things uh, rapidly, We're hoping for to have quick responses so that we can learn a little bit about you personally before we get into meaty issues. Are you ready to go? I'm ready. Okay. When you moved to Charlotte, what was your favorite restaurant? Capital Grill. Mm, excellent choice. What book or movie most impacted you when growing up? The Borrowers. Author? Don't know. Okay. It's a book about little people. Uh, okay. I remember that now. Okay. It's awesome. Um, uh, it's on my list now. What do you need more of in your life? Golf. Mm. <laughs> you and me both. Uh, I try to golf with a five-year-old. Sorry. That's not about me. Um, what, what do you need less of in your life? Heat. Heat. Um, if you could have one wish in life granted, what would it be? It's going to sound corny, but world peace. <laughs> 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 okay. All right. Well, um, what is the number one item on your bucket list? I'd love to travel to St. Petersburg, Russia, but I would be a little scared to travel to Russia. And do you have a favorite place in Charlotte or, or within the county? Home. Home. Cause I don't get to be there very much. So that's okay. where I like to be. Okay. All right. Last but not least steak or seafood. Pasta. But if you force me, I'll pick steak. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Good. All right. We've learned a little bit about Dina that we didn't know previously. Let's get on with it. Uh, so you spent some time up in the Northeast, as as did I, actually. I grew okay. up in um, Nyack, New York, so I think okay. we were not that far from not each other. Not that far. So you spent some time in the larger cities. Um, why? How did you end up in Charlotte? What, what drew you to this place? When I was working in Connecticut, the last place I worked was Danbury, Connecticut. I was the CFO and the HR director there. And because it was a strong mayor form of government, I was the highest ranking non-elected city official in the city. And if I wanted to in sort of advance my career, I knew I had to go to a place where they had a professional manager form of government. So that was really the next step in my career. And so I started looking for opportunities in places where they had professional managers. And I ended up coming to Mecklenburg County because I became the CFO here, thinking that that would be a good stepping stone for me to become a manager. Um, and it did. And, and, you know, Mecklenburg County is a beautiful place. Charlotte's a beautiful place. So I got sort of a double bonus by being able to advance my career, but also being in a beautiful part of the country. Do you miss the Northeast at all? No. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> Me neither. Um, can you expound on the, the kind of strong mayor versus strong manager form of government? Because I think we have that here in terms of a strong manager for both the city and the county. Can you talk about that a little bit? Because I don't think our listeners know. Sure. So professional managers are hired to actually be the CEOs of an organization. And so when you work where I came from in the Northeast, I worked for all strong mayors and the mayor is the CEO. They run the city. They make all the decisions. They run all the operations. In a manager form of government, all of those roles and responsibilities are transferred to a professional manager who is trained, um, has education and experience uh, a, to really know how to run a government or run an, run an organization. And so it really 
provides a lot of continuity. It provides consistency. Um, it does keep some of the politics out of the day-to-day operations. And I think it protects the taxpayers and the residents. I believe that's my opinion. Okay. Um, having said that, what, what would you say since you've been here and you've been here for quite a while now at this point, um, what's been your most challenging issue that you've, you've faced as county manager? Not surprisingly, it would have to be COVID. I mean, I think that was um, something that you don't train for. Nobody trained you how to deal with a pandemic that lasts over two years. Mm -hmm. And it was so dynamic. It was such a dynamic time that every day there was new information. The science was changing. The recommendations were changing. And we had to pivot and make decisions very quickly based on information that we were given, not really knowing if it was the right information. I mean, we're all sort of operating on information that was changing so rapidly. And so we had to make sure that we were communicating effectively with the public to make sure they had all the information and made, helping them understand why we were making the decisions we were making when we issued the first stay at home order in the state of North Carolina. I mean, that was a big deal and it was a bit of a risk, but we knew that it was the most, the most appropriate thing to do based on the information that we had at the time. What do you think, well, or did it, did it prepare you for the potentially the next time something like this happens? It did. And in fact, we hired a company um, to do an after action report for us so that they could evaluate um, how we did during the pandemic. And so we got some lessons learned from that report as well. And we're going to incorporate that into our crisis communications plans and our continuity of operations plans. So in the event, uh, hopefully never, Mm -hmm. ever again, we are more prepared than we were the first time. You've got a number of awards hanging on your wall. What do you think, which one, which accomplishment are you the most proud of at this point? Well, I'm honored to have gotten every single one of those awards um, because they all mean something different and they're all um, quite an honor and very flattering. But I think the one that I just most recently won was the uh, Whitney M. Young Award from the Urban League of Central Carolinas, which is really given to people who have made an impact on the black community in, in Charlotte, Mecklenburg. And so I feel incredibly honored to be recognized for the work that we've done in terms of diversity, equity, and inclusion in this community. That means a lot to me. So you have been in public administration for a while since the, since the Reagan administration, actually. Um, Thanks for sharing that. (laughs) (laughs) That's in your bio. (laughs) I don't don't know. I think that's kind of cool. Okay. (laughs) I think that's kind of cool. What, uh, what, so it's been a little while. What are the most dramatic civic changes you've seen in, in terms of government, both city and county level? Like, So I think one of the things that really sticks out for me when I was living in New York and working for the city of New York at the time, it was 1990 and we had the Crown Heights riots. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you remember that, Dude. but a, um, you know, a Hasidic Jew accidentally ran into a sidewalk, killed a young black boy, uh, Gavin Cato, and riots erupted in Crown Heights, Brooklyn for several days. And I was young in my twenties and I had never experienced anything like that, like that before. And it was scary. I mean, it was scary to see that um, and to experience that. And I think the part of it that sticks with me the most is that it was a race riot. I mean, that was really the essence of that. And then here we are 30 years later and we have the murder of George Floyd. And you would have thought that we would have seen some changes Mm -hmm. along the way. Um, But we didn't. And so it's, it's, it's kind of heartbreaking that we had to continue to see things like that when we should have learned our lesson a long time ago. Do you think lessons have been learned at this point? I think, I think we're getting better. I think we're more aware. Mm -hmm. I know I am personally, um, but I think things are starting to change. 
You worked for three different mayors within the city of Charlotte, right? Or the uh, city of New York City. I did. Dinkins? Koch, Dinkins. Koch, Dinkins, Giuliani. Giuliani. Okay. What, who, do you have a favorite that you worked for or was it all about the same? Well, I will say that it was Rudy Giuliani was the best mayor I've ever worked for. Now, that was then yes. and this is now. So let's it. Put, sure. it, put it into context. Fair. But he, um, very smart, very aggressive. I mean, he really cleaned up New York. I mean, mm -hmm. he really cleaned up New York. Um, it became a much more livable place. Um, always exciting things to work on, new initiatives. Um, it was an exciting time to work for the city of New York when I worked for him. Do you see some of the, um, some of the things that maybe were implemented probably would be slightly different going forward, but Charlotte is a growing city and the county is a growing county. Do you see some of the things, some of the lessons that were learned back then, maybe in a large metropolitan area that could be applied down here, or is it a totally different animal? Well, I think it's, I think it's a little different. New York is very urban mm -hmm. um, and Charlotte is slightly urban. I don't consider it to be a real urban city. Um, and I think the difference is that Charlotte Mecklenburg is so much more of a livable place mm -hmm. that I don't know that we want to adopt some of the things. I think New York does the things it does to try to make it more livable, but it will never be as livable as Charlotte Mecklenburg. Okay. Well, I, I can't, can't disagree on that. Um, what, uh, what's your, what's unique about your management style then in running a county like this? I'm willing to take some risks. I think some people in my position are not willing to take, take some risks. I think in order to really make things happen, you have to take risks. And what I tell my board of county commissioners when we're going to start something new and we're trying to talk through, like, is it the right thing to do? And I always say, well, if not us, then who? Like, if we don't do it, if we don't try to lead, if we don't try to make a difference or do something different, then who will? Um, and I don't know that there's a lot of managers that uh, wouldn't really take that position. So I think that's unique, but I also think, and I think this is not really unique. I think it's good leaders do this is that you, you need to surround yourself with people who are vested in your success because you always want to be looking out the windshield. You never want to be looking in the rear view mirror. So you need to have people behind you who want you to be successful and then they can be successful. So I think that's been something that has worked really well for me. Okay. Um, speaking of leadership, let's talk about, there's, there's three different sort of initiatives, <clears throat> if you will, if you want to put them in that category that are underway, um, right now, first of which, the CMS bond, um, it's going to be on the ballot. Uh, it was the commission voted, I think last month, put it on the ballot, uh, 2.5 billion. Can you talk a little bit about kind of what that's going to do, um, potentially if passed? Sure. So it's a $2.5 billion bond. It's the largest in the state's history for a school bond. So, Again, we're leading in that perspective. Um, the projects are vast and wide. They um, include new schools. They include renovations of older schools. I think that the geographic dispersity is pretty wide. And I think CMS did a good job of really going through a very significant process to rank their projects. I think they were, they were thoughtful about how they did that. Um, and so, of course, it's not as big as they had wanted. They wanted a bigger bond. But of course, we had to keep in mind the affordability of the bond. And even though they wanted a bigger bond, this bond, $2.5 billion will still include some tax increases over the next several years to pay for that. So we had to balance what the needs were and what the affordability would be. Mm -hmm. Well, that's what leaders do, right? We try. <laughs> um, and then something that's been in the news uh, lately is as recently as this weekend, the up, the uptown project, uh, 7th and Tryon, mm -hmm. um, uh, what's going on with that? What do you see the future of that? I mean, now that things have stalled a bit. 
So things have stalled a bit. Um, we were working with a master developer for a number of years trying to advance the project. It was a big, it was a pretty audacious project. Um, was that the Hal Marshall area and all Well, that it's stuff? just a bit south of Hal Marshall. Okay. So it okay. was um, Bank of America owned some par- property on 7th and Tryon. And okay. we had some, and then of course include Spirit Square um, and then part of the library project. And so a, the big component of that project was the office tower. Um, but the office tower market really got soft. And so that kind of made it harder for the development to go forward. So at the end of the day, we were just not able to come up with a scenario that would make sense for both the county and for the developer. And so the exclusivity period for the developer ended and we chose not to extend that. And so now we're at the point where we're sort of reevaluating um, what we can do. And one of the things that we're considering is instead of trying to get a master developer to do the whole project, we're going to look at doing one parcel at a time to see if we can't still advance the vision that we had, but not do it as one single project. Uh, another thing that's important to a lot of folks, it's a, frankly, it's an amenity for folks that are looking to relocate here, um, parks. Um, tell us a little bit about the parks. You know, you see a city park and you think, oh, well, that's the city runs that. No, the Mecklenburg County doesn't, don't you guys manage all the parks? We are, yeah, we manage all park and recreation um, in Mecklenburg County. Uh, the towns do have a little bit of um, park and recreation um, services that they provide, but the vast majority of it is Mecklenburg County. And so we have been um, working on a number of projects for a number of years. You can go all, anywhere in the county and see new parks, renovated parks, new greenways. Um, and the board just adopted a new capital improvement plan, which I believe includes about $185 million for the next round of park projects. So you'll see new amenities, big demand for pickleball courts. You're going to see them, <laughs> you're going to see them pop up everywhere. Um, all kinds of different amenities that people have been asking more and more greenway trails. So the board of county commissioners is very, very invested in, um, expanding and renovating and it's just improving our park system in Mecklenburg County. And we're very proud of it. We just did a ribbon cutting back in June for the renovated independence park, Mm -hmm. which is the oldest park in Mecklenburg County. It's, it's absolutely beautiful. So, I mean, people should just go out and enjoy all the parks that we have because they're great. It it is in independence. I can speak to that. Uh, My daughter plays soccer there. Um, Charlotte junior soccer. Fantastic. Fantastic place. As you know, Rebecca is the realtors, the home builders, the, commercial folks, pretty much anybody that searches real estate in the Charlotte region. Um, what advice do you have for our members to get more involved? We've talked about uh, getting more involved in the advisory boards and commissions, things like that. But what what can we do as, a, as an industry to, to support what you're trying to accomplish on the county and also give the feedback that's necessary for, the, for leaders to make good decisions? So I'm glad, I'm glad you asked me this question and I'm going to be pretty bold in my answer um, in that, you know, we are working and as is the city um, on affordable housing in Mecklenburg County, it is a crisis and it's going to continue to be a crisis. And we need all of the real estate industry to be part of the solution. Um, and that probably means financial um, because the, the city and the county can't do it alone. We can't build our way out of it by ourselves but we need the experts in the field to help us solve the problem because otherwise we're going to continue to see people who are housing insecure. We're going to continue to see increases in homelessness and we really need this real estate industry to lean in and help be part of the solution. I guess, what do you see as the biggest challenges right now for meeting that the affordability need that we have some of those challenges? Well, I think 
obviously the cost of construction is high. The cost of right. land is high. I mean, those are things that make affordable housing really hard to construct. But if there's ways to partner with folks who are willing to do it, um, there are opportunities for us to help support offset some of those costs. And we've done it with other folks um, around uh, naturally affording, occurring affordable housing and other you know, developers who just need a subsidy or they need rental subsidies. There's a million ways we can help, but we need more people to come to the table and, and tell us what they need so that we can figure out if we can help. Okay. Is there anything else that is a priority for you right now that we ought to know about or several things um, uh, moving forward? We've got municipal elections coming up. Obviously you're not going to weigh into that, but <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> but, um, but it, you know, what's on the horizon next few months, maybe the next year, maybe the next five years. Well, I think, you know, we are working, as I said, on this home for all strategy, which is the housing and homelessness um, prevention strategy, which we're working on. So I think these conversations about affordable housing are really um, timely in that regard. We are also working on a lot of issues around workforce development. And so if there's opportunities for the real estate industry to partner, um, to help train people in the, in the industry, um, any opportunities to help people, to connect people who need jobs with people who have jobs and also looking at apprenticeships and things like that. If there's opportunities to work on that, that's a real interest of our board. We are also um, very excited about the, where CMS is heading. Uh, we feel really good about the new superintendent and we really wanna make sure that she's successful. So supporting her efforts, I think is a priority of mine. Mm -hmm. um, maybe not everybody's, but it's certainly a priority of mine. So those are just some of the things off the top of my head that are things that we're working on. Okay. Well, Dina Diario, thank you so much for stopping in uh, today. You've been a wonderful guest and it's been a pleasure. Thank you Thanks so there. much. Thank you for listening to Getting Real with Rob. This podcast is produced by the Real Estate and Building Industry Coalition in Charlotte, North Carolina. Learn more about us at rebic.com. That's R-E-B-I-C. Dot com. We'll talk to you next time.